This week's Daily Info Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the events happening in and around Oxford. Today's Wednesday, the 2nd of March, um, and we've got lots of uh, fun events to be talking about this week. I'm here with Jen and Mike. Jen, what are you going to be talking about this week? I am going to be talking about uh, the Oxford Fact, which this week is about breastfeeding statistics uh, and International Women's Festival happening in Oxford. And also going to be talking about Comic Con. Cool. What do you got, Mike? I have um, a kind of circus brass show, an interview with Van Reef and talking about the Loose Cannon Brewery tour. And I'll be talking about Fair Trade Fortnite, some cinema and a bit of drama as well. Uh, but Jen, go on and start us off with the Oxford fact then. Well, Oxford is really good at breastfeeding, which is nice to know. Cool. Um, we've got some figures from quarter one 2015 to 16. So we reckon that's April to June last year, because I think it works like the financial year. Uh, and this data is gathered by the NHS, which makes it very official. So in the UK, the average initiation rates for breastfeeding is 73.8%. That means people have breastfed at least once in hospital. That could just be that the baby's got its mouth quite near the nipple, so it may not, <laughs> may not have ingested all that much milk. Anyway, 73.8% start, start. At six to eight week check... are doing some breastfeeding. That's the UK figures. Whereas in Oxford, initiation is 81.4%, so higher definitely to start with. And the really good news is that at the six to eight week check, 61.3% are still breastfeeding, um, so much higher than the UK average, and the exclusive breastfeeding at that stage. So the breastfeeding rates generally could mean some breastfeeding, some formula feeding. The exclusive breastfeeding in Oxford at six to eight weeks is 46.1%. So more people in Oxford are exclusively breastfeeding at that stage than the average of the UK doing any at all. That's pretty good. Wow. It's great, isn't it? Um, and obviously, you know, parental choice you should be able to choose what to do some people can't breastfeed particularly if they have twins or something like that (laughs) Uh, some people choose to use formula and that's absolutely their right but there are benefits for the mother and the baby including some really long-term health benefits um like what uh, like to do with um, diabetes rates. The diabetes rate is much lower for, for babies who are breastfed. It confers all sorts of immunity. So in the early days, of course, before they've had all their jabs, the way they um, are passed on immunity mm-hmm. is from, from the mother and they certainly recover from illnesses quicker through breastfeeding. And Yeah, it's, it's a better nutritional balance, although the nutrition is quite similar between formula and breastfeeding because obviously the formula mm-hmm. makers do their level best to get the same uh, balance of proteins and fats and so on. But I guess the breastfeeding is more tailor-made for the particular baby. And why do you think Oxford is better than everyone else? I think there are several reasons. One is definitely specialist help. So in Oxford, we're lucky at the moment to have Baby Cafe, um, which is a sort of forum for um, breastfeeding mothers with kindly experts who are absolutely brilliant at helping you get started. Um, Obviously, to start with, it can be quite painful and difficult. And um, so specialist help with somebody who can see what's going on and who knows exactly what they're doing is brilliant i think in this first stage they offer a lot of cups of tea and and handkerchiefs (laughs) as well um and people 
in Oxford, I think, are quite well armed with the knowledge that it will be hard to start with, but it's worth persevering. So there's an expectation of trying. Um, there's good knowledge of the health benefits here. And most of all, I think there's a welcoming culture. I've heard some horror stories about people being told off or... Oh, just, like Claridge's, wasn't it? Exactly, Claridge's. So people either being excluded, which is against the law. Anywhere mm. you can legally be, you can legally breastfeed. It doesn't matter if it's the bus or the post office, people should be there helping. Um, but here they're actually welcoming. And uh, I've never heard any negative comments I from can't imagine anybody. It. No snide comments or anything like that. I've even been congratulated on breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly surreal, but really nice. Well done, Jen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so a, a, a thanks to everybody in Oxford who has just not been nasty. <laughs> <laughs> OK, on to the events then for this week. Thanks to the Oxford Fact, Jen. Mike, what's first up? So it's a show I'm going to see tonight, actually, uh, called Opus 7. Um, it's a new show by Circa Choika, who... Um, they're a group of circus musicians that combine acrobatics with brass. <laughs> so they're playing the whole time, and they're all sort of throwing tubers around, throwing each other into tubers. And... French horn on the trapeze. Exactly, yeah. So... <laughs> really? <laughs> no, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to finding out, though. Okay. <laughs> They're actually part of a larger collective called Cheptel Alecum, which is a French collective of circus performers that they kind of tour the world, but they also just live together in this village in France, which just, it must be mad. There's, you know, oh, what are you going to do today? Oh, I'm going to learn a new flip. Do you want to come? <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll bring the brass instrument. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're kind of doing a UK tour at the moment and everywhere they go they're performing with a local brass band or brass group so in Warwick they're doing some stuff with the university but here they're performing with the Oxfordshire Dixieland Jazz Band which is pretty cool it's also a fairly short show only 60 minutes so um, it won't take up your whole evening but that's at the Playhouse tonight and tomorrow uh, which is Thursday at 7.30 and it's £15 or tonight or tomorrow and in fact up to Saturday you could go see some a different drama so at the Michael Pilch studio Bally Turk is going to be performed um, so Bally Turk is a play by Ender Walsh which premiered at the Galway Arts Festival in July 2014 so it's pretty new um, it then travelled to Dublin, Cork and had a couple months at the National in London in the original production it starred Michael Murphy, Stephen Ray and Killian Murphy um, so it's a star-studded cast and it got rave reviews so I picked out a line from Fintan O'Toole's review in the Irish Times, the original production, uh, where he says, So Jean-Paul Sartre, Samuel Beckett and Flann O'Brien are jointly commissioned to write a sketch for the Morecambe and Wise show. Over a bottle of absinthe, they concoct something like Ender Walsh's Valley Turk, which has got me sold already. I'm actually going tonight. Um, there's a few tickets left if people do want to go along. This is the first student production um, of the play. I mean, it's only 18 months since uh, the original production closed. It's being put on by Straight Face Theatre. Uh, the Michael Pilt Studio is on Jowett Walk, uh, which is behind Hollywell Street. I haven't actually been there before, so be interested to see that space as well, because I think they just recently did it up towards the end of the last year. Uh, tickets are £9, £7 concessions, plus a booking fee. And at last check, there were 11 tickets left for tonight, 23 for tomorrow, 29 for Friday and Saturday is sold out. Uh, so grab your tickets quickly if you do want to go. So what genre does this play fit into? Or? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> I think it's going to be three characters, and I'm imagining it a bit like Waiting for Godot, where Godot turns up. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I think it's tragic comedy with jaw-dropping moments of physical comedy. And absinthe fueled surrealism. Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so Oxford International Women's Festival is starting on Friday. 
and it runs to Tuesday the 15th. Um, it's happening all over town, all sorts of events going on, and we've picked out two that look particularly exciting. So, Women and Bicycles, happening on Saturday the 5th of March. Um, it's happening at the Story Museum. So, uh, Broken Spoke Bike co-op is underneath the story museum and this is actually happening in the museum itself Uh, so this one isn't a bike workshop um, although Beryl's Night which is uh, bike maintenance for women um, is uh, the first Thursday of every month including tomorrow night that's the 3rd of March Um, but this particular event Women and Bicycles is a sort of panel discussion about the history of women and bikes and how bikes have um, increased female emancipation And it's also about female stars of competitive cycling in the bike industry and celebrating Mm -hmm. them. And I don't think many people could name all that many of the female stars. I certainly can't. Victoria Pendleton is a name I Mm recognise, but most I'm not too good on. There's still a long way to go to get parity in in professional cycling, I think. I mean, you've got the Tour de France and the other Grand Tours for the men's, and the women get one day on the Champs-Élysées now but only since last year or something they don't get the whole of yorkshire taken over with yellow jerseys which is a real shame um and the track world championships start today but again that's not been heavily mentioned Mm. certainly um it's not really come to my attention properly which is interesting because following the last olympics and also after beijing cycling got pushed so hard by the government and encourage everyone to do it but uh and so many people have a bicycle sitting there Especially in Oxford. Exactly. And and it's a pretty friendly city for for, um, cycling in. And there are actually some cycling groups around here as well, which makes you sound like... They meet outside (laughs) G&Ds on Cali Road. You have to sort of squeeze past them. But I think of a Victorian sort of era of cycle tours and cycling groups and things like that, particularly for women. But actually they're making a real comeback here, Mm. which is good. Um, so at this day, there are uh, lots of speakers, including Emily Chapel, who has um, written a book about being a cycle courier for a year in London, which I think includes some quite hairy moments. <laughs> but she's a yeah, she's a blogger and a, a cycle courier and a good person. Um, and Dr. Sheila Hanlon, who is talking about the history of women and fashion and cycling and bike design, mm. and her blog is well worth checking out for the amazing picture of the side saddle ridden penny farthing, which is. Possibly the most oh impractical bicycle ever the pedals, invented. Two pedals on one side. Two pedals on one side. So all of the mechanism and the woman are all balanced on one side of the bike. That means that when it falls over, which it's surely going to do, she's either got to fall with it and land on top or be crushed underneath it. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> incredibly I dangerous. Wouldn't want <laughs> I certainly wouldn't want to be riding one of those. Um, yeah, and she'll also be talking about rational dress, which is uh, knickerbockers for riding mm-hmm. bikes. So that's really the first time that uh, wearing any form of trousers becomes remotely acceptable for women is oh, wow. through cycling. Um, yeah, and lots and lots of other people appearing as, uh, at that as well, including female bicycle builders and uh, sports personalities, mountain bikers and so on. Um, homemade lunch, buckets of tea, everyone welcome, they say, including very definitely male feminists welcome too. There are a few um, a few exciting things about women's cycling at the moment. So we do have the world champion, the world road race champion, Lizzie Armitstead, is British. Um, and look out for Laura Trott and some of the other endurance girls at the track world championships over the next few days as well. They might pick up a few medals. Hopefully they'll mention all of that on Saturday as yes. well. <laughs> 
One of the other things we've picked out is The Power of the Pill, which is a panel discussion happening at the North Wall on Monday the 7th at 7.30pm, five to eight pounds tickets. This is a discussion about the science and ethics and history of hormone-based contraception. What difference did it make to women to be able to control their own fertility? Do we know how the pill works properly? Will there be a pill for men coming out anytime soon? Um, And the speakers for that include Dame Valerie Beryl, an epidemiologist, uh, which is somebody who studies the the patterns of health and disease, and she particularly works on breast cancer. Um, Professor Alan Pacey, who's a popular scientist and fertility expert and has done various things on TV. And Dr Victoria Boydell, who's a social anthropologist. So they're covering both the science and the social aspects of uh, the pill and what what it's done for women. When was the pill invented? I don't know. I'll go along and find out. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. The um, Some of the early work on contraception and family planning is sort of rather unfortunate because it actually stemmed from eugenics and trying to make sure oh. that the poor people didn't have as many children as the rich people. So oh, wow. there were some rather, rather unhappy political beginnings. But out of that, of course, grew the family planning clinic and, oh. and uh, some extremely useful... Um, Awkward start. Yes. <laughs> And the Oxford Women's Festival has loads and loads of other stuff going on. Most of it is free, though they do recommend booking. Lots of it is wheelchair accessible. In fact, I think nearly all of it is. Um, and I think there's a sort of tendency that you kind of expect that, that women's festivals could be either dry and rather ranty and political or be just terribly wafty and, mm. and about sort of, you know, journey of self-discovery. And of course, they do cover both of those topics. But I think it's also a lot more fun than you might anticipate <laughs> if you're uh, feeling particularly cynical about it. Um, so yeah they're doing loads and loads of stuff do check out their website and indeed ours I very much like their flyers as well because they're not just promotional they've got a full list of all the events on the back so look out for those um, around the city now Fair Trade Fortnight started on Monday um, so it's basically a couple of weeks encouraging people to think buy and eat Fair Trade for a little while and then hopefully for a bit longer than the two weeks but there are various things going on in Oxford in support of it up until the 13th of March so first of all there's an exhibition on at the uh, Botanic Garden on Fair Trade Crop and farmers and then this Saturday and next Saturday St Michael at the Northgate Church on Corn Market will be hosting the Big Fair Trade Breakfast from 10am till 2pm that's nice discounted <laughs> Fair Trade Breakfast until 2pm exactly I know <laughs> till 2pm on this Saturday <laughs> and next St Michael at the Northgate so do you guys remember the band Reef from the 90s yes yeah <laughs> do you you <laughs> <laughs> So they had that big song, Place Your Hands, which... Um, it was on TFI Friday. It was. They used Place Your Hands uh, in TFI Friday, of course, uh, for the bit about the letters. They've had a bit of a resurgence and they're playing in Oxford on a Saturday. And last week I had a chat to Jesse Wood, the new guitarist, um, about his new single. So this new single, uh, that's how I got over, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, is this a Mahalo Jackson cover? Well, it's a traditional gospel uh, song, okay, yeah. uh, which Aretha Franklin did on one of her live albums, uh, I think it was Fillmore in 1972 or something like that. Um, and yeah, we just we love it. We've just done our version of it, and Gary sings amazingly on it. Um, and it's going down pretty well so far. We played with Chris Evans, and uh, hopefully, it'll be picked up by a few other radio stations and hopefully enjoyed by you know, many people. 
Yeah, no, it's a really cool single actually. Um, I mean, we were listening oh, cool. to it the Thank other day. Yeah, 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 I mean, what's what's fun about it is that in a lot of Reef's older stuff, you know, there is that kind of underlying gospel vibe, and um, it's, I suppose yeah. it was happening a lot, kind of in the early noughties. A few bands were doing it, but this is kind of Reef. It's coming out in the song a lot more, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great fun. I mean, it's not like riffy like Reef could be, like him and uh, riffs and my riffs, but I've been playing, I've been playing rhythm, you know, uh, and through a, a Leslie cabinet, so it gives like, almost sounds like an um, an organ or something, my part, if you listen carefully. So it's been great just doing the old sort of soul rhythm, gospel rhythm on it, you know, very simply, but it's quite effective, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you like it anyway. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we really like the video as well, actually. Um, so, to those of you who haven't watched it yet, it's Reef just in his tour bus, bombing around Cornwall, going surfing, having a laugh. Yeah. Uh, did it actually happen? Was it all real? It's all real, and uh, Dom, the drummer's lovely wife, Heidi Greensmith, uh, directed it and got it all together for us, which is great. So it's all family. Um, yeah, it's good by video. I love it. Love it. To listen to the whole interview, uh, then check out the Oxcast Extra. Katie also had a chat to David from Inky Fingers, which is the new comic book shop on Cowley Road, um, down the bottom of Cowley Road, um, and they talked about what sort of comic books he sells. Well, I'm really, I'm really happy you say genres, because <laughs> a common sort of misconception is that uh, people, when people talk about comics, they think superheroes, and that's it. It's not, it's it's a small slice of the medium. It's just that it has so much promotion behind it. So what happens is a lot of the other, other books get left on the wayside. I've been thinking about a lot before opening up about sort of the layout, what you see first. Uh, and I always wanted that to be all these really interesting, beautiful books first. You know, that's what I want. So someone who hasn't read any comics, the first thing they come in is they don't see Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man. They see, first of all, a beautiful selection of all ages, appropriate for all ages books. And then just a quick glance and you can see shelves upon shelves of a multitude of genre books. Probably sci-fi fantasy are the most popular at the moment. The sort of general fiction does very well. Myriad publishers, they have been coming out with some great ones lately. Uh, things like Becoming Unbecoming, which is about the girl growing up in the 70s in Yorkshire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is... Uh, I'm a big, big believer in that there is a book for... A comic book or a graphic novel for everyone. It's just finding it for that one person. Over December, all of December, I think about 80% of my... All the, all the sales were as gifts so I was spending a lot of time talking to individual people asking about the recipients tastes and so it's like oh what kind of films are they into what kind of books uh you know kind of what's really great at the moment is the variety so I can pick up like four or five different ones for them and go like okay so I reckon these ones will suit you well and uh, then they take their time look through them and then uh yeah it more often than not, they find exactly what they're looking for. 
To listen to the full interview, um, you can hear David talking about strong female leads in comic books and the impact of superhero films, so check out our website. And if that whetted your appetite, you can visit his store or you can see Inky Fingers and a whole host of other people at the Oxford Comic Convention, Oxcon, which is happening this weekend. Um, It's in exam schools on the high street. It's a great Um, venue. It's a great venue. Slightly at odds, I would say, Mm. with uh, with a fancy element, but maybe not. Um, It's happening 10 till 6. The panel discussions are sort of 10.30 to 5.30. And uh, after that, there's a cosplay competition each day. Amazing. Um, the panels sound quite academic. We've got representation in sci-fi and non-token minority characters, or the modern Gilgamesh, Jungian archetypes in Doctor Who. <laughs> How Oxford does Comic-Con. Amazing. <laughs> How Oxford does Comic-Con. Um, the guests include actors from Harry Potter, Labyrinth, Star Wars, um, and we particularly like Michael Henbury, who is an Ewok. Um, <laughs> Taboo the Ewok. Taboo the Ewok. Uh, or you can see a Death Eater or Warrior Woman. Um, We're hoping all in costume, of course. <laughs> I'm hoping so. Um, and there's lots of um, illustrators, comic book writers, and for some reason Lego groups as well, who are exhibitors there. So. That's very cool. Uh, so oxcon.xyz is their website. Um, there are some Sunday tickets left, not many. Sunday su- Sunday early entry and Sunday child tickets are still available, and they are £12.10 to £15.40. So. I think you could just hang outside at exam schools and see all the people in cosplay as well, though. That'd be good. I think there are cosplay tours going on throughout the day, <gasps> wow. so you don't even have to hang around outside exam <laughs> schools. Just wander around Oxford generally. <laughs> Uh, so, Orla, Katie and I had quite a big night last night <laughs> <laughs> on the Loose Cannon Brewery Tour. Uh, so if you don't know Loose Cannon, it's a fairly new brewery. 2010 was when it was set up um, in Abingdon, and their first beer was Abingdon Bridge. And we actually got told about this last night, that they uh, they had a vote. They had two beers, two recipes to start with, and then they had a public vote on which one would be better. And so Abingdon Bridge won out. But um, they're good fun nights because it's essentially just, you know, you go and then you get given a pint glass and then unlimited beer. It's incredibly good value. It's (laughs) £15. You get a branded pint glass that you can keep and you can go back to the bar as many times as you like trying all of the different beers. And they don't just give you a little taster. They give you a full pint every time you go up to the bar. (laughs) Then you get sausage and chips and a tour. (laughs) You're there for two and a half hours and it's about a 15-minute tour. It was very interesting. It was very interesting. All asked lots of questions. (laughs) I might have annoyed him a little bit asking too many questions. So um, beyond Abingdon Bridge, what what beers do they do now? They? Uh, so they've got Gunners Gold and Abingdon Bridge. They're the two uh, permanent ones, and then they've got. Uh, they've got monthly beers that they the brewers are kind of challenged to come up with a new one every month because it only takes sort of seven days, was it, to turn around a beer? Yeah, they can turn around wow. a beer in seven days unless it's a pilsner because they've got a pilsner as well, which is actually really nice. I hadn't tried that before, and that takes a couple of weeks, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, they've got different ones that are on rotation all the time. Yeah, so they've got they've kind of got the you know the normal spectrum of colours from light to dark. But they're in a lot. Of... <laughs> and the black IPA that was good. That was good. Mm. That was one of the monthly ones actually. But no, full of lots of different coffee flavours and stuff. Highly recommend the tour. It's on uh, the first Tuesday of every month. Uh, you do need to book. You can do that online, and then you can pay when you arrive. Um, but yeah, fifteen pounds and well worth a visit. 
one of the best things about it was that they have a shop in the brewery, uh, which is open all the time, actually. But you can just go and buy an enormous amount of beer. And, <laughs> and then you have to drink it in three days. <laughs> yes, I will have 72 pints, please. <laughs> yes, it's really good for parties. And and the shop sells wine as well. So I'm not such a beer connoisseur, but they've got some lovely wines. <laughs> it's such a small warehouse. It's amazing. They it's have really compact. <laughs> Um, now, I've got a couple of films that are opening on Friday uh, to recommend. Um, so, first of all, Hail Caesar is uh, the new Coen Brothers film, which is apparently the final instalment of their Numbskulls trilogy, uh, which includes Intolerable Cruelty and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, this one's about a 1950s Hollywood fixer called Eddie Mannix, who was a real character, and this guy is kind of, this character is kind of adapted from him. And he's played by Josh Brolin in the film and he's trying to figure out what's happened to George Clooney who's a movie star who's mid-production um, on a biblical epic and gets kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> the film looks amazing as well as George Clooney and Josh Brolin uh, the film features Scarlett Johansson, Ray Fiennes, Francis McDormand, Tilda Swinton and Channing Tatum. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be so good. I think it's everyone hilarious. should just go see it. That's... That's it. Just go and watch it. Does the Numbskulls trilogy have uh, characters in common, like the the Jay and Silent Bob type? I don't think so. So the only so uh, George Clooney's in all of them, but he's also in Burn After Reading, I think. So it's not just about Coen Brothers films that he's in. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. They just called it the Numbskulls <laughs> trilogy. Another film that's out on Friday is Kung Fu Panda Three, uh, which I have high hopes for. I actually haven't seen the second one, but I've heard good things, and the first one was brilliant. Jack Black voices Poe, the panda son of a duck who defies the odds and becomes a kung fu master, making friends along the way and learning to believe in himself. Um, and it's really surprisingly good. I took, I spent most of the film trying to figure out who was voicing Shifu. Um, and I never actually got there, and I had to look it up, which was quite disappointing. But I think I spent fun. most of the film wanting to eat noodle soup. So we, we were eating noodle soup while that watching That is yeah. the, uh, the only problem with Kung Fu Panda is that you have to have, kind of have a menu to go with it. <laughs> it's interesting because the film made me want to be a Kung Fu Panda. So. <laughs> for full cinema listings, you can find them on dailyinfo.co.uk um, for everything that's going on in Oxford. And to make sure that you don't miss any of our podcasts, subscribe on all the major podcast providers. Daily, daily, daily info. Daily, daily, daily info. Mm. Daily, daily, daily.